1: and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Grant Sabatier. Grant is from millennialmoney.com. In this conversation, he shares a little bit about his story and some of the strategies that he uses to make more money in less time and having the right perspective on money, how Money has a relationship with time and what the relationship between time and money is. And you may be asking, well, why are you talking about money on a productivity podcast? Well, one, we've done it in the past. And two, I think it's really well summed up in a quote that uh, a friend of mine posted on Facebook a little while ago. And it's actually it's not a quote. It's it's him himself that says it. But he said that money can be stored up and it can be given away all at once or in large sums. Time cannot be stored, cannot be given away all at once. It can only be given in minute sums or minute sums, moment by moment. And there's the rub. We've got money that can be saved up and then used in large sums all at once, and time that cannot be stored up like that and has to be spent minute by minute. And what's the relationship between those two? Well, that's what we're going to get into in this conversation with Grant Sabatier. Well, this week it is my privilege to welcome to the show Grant Sabatier. Grant, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, glad to be here.
1: So I have not talked about money on this show in a very long time. I think we've touched on it maybe two, three, maybe four times, but it has been at least two years plus. So you know, when when uh, I heard about what you were doing and how you're doing it and what you've got to say, like I thought, you know what. Money is one of those things that people are like, how does that tie into productivity? Well, I think you've got a unique take or at least the right take on how money is a resource and how money and time relate to each other or not. And so I want to get to that. But first, I want you to share a little bit of your story, you know, how you grew up, your relationship with your parents and what they were teaching you about money and that whole mindset and kind of your story moving through that to where you are now.
0: So my parents grew up in rural Indiana uh, in a town that didn't even have a stoplight when they were a kid. They met in high school, but they they grew up with very little money and um, ended up, uh, you know, getting getting pregnant in their late twenties after being married for almost a decade. I was kind of unexpected and. Uh, Once they had me, they kind of looked around at the world they'd grown up in and decided that they wanted to give me a different type of opportunity. And so they packed up uh, everything that they owned when I was six months old and they moved. They left their families. They're the only people who've done that or who had done that and who have still done that uh, and moved to the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and my par their first jobs, my mom was a secretary and my dad actually cleaned the office building at night where my mom was a secretary. So my parents had very little money. Um, money was something, you know, as a kid that they, they talked about a lot. I knew that we didn't have a lot. I knew it stressed them out. It was very present in my childhood. Uh, it was just something that was always kind of talked about, always around And my father, when I was young, he used to tell me kind of two things, life is a beach and money is freedom. And as a five-year-old kid, I didn't understand what either of those meant. (laughs) Um, But interestingly, you know, my own podcast, Financial Freedom, my first guest ever was my dad. And I brought him on and I asked him, you know, what what did you mean by that? And um, my entire, you know, growing up, my childhood into high school, you know, I always felt my parents... Uh, were investing a lot in me. They were making a lot of sacrifices for me. They didn't even start saving for retirement uh, until they were in their early fifties. And, you know, I always tried to take uh, advantage of what I knew were sacrifices that they were making uh, to give me more opportunities than they had. Uh, And, you know, I always felt that, you know, it wasn't pressure, but I always could feel that they, they were putting a lot into me. And so I tried to take every advantage that I could, um, went to a, a good school, studied philosophy. Um, but then after college, I bounced. This is 2008. I bounced around four different jobs and never quite found the right fit. I got laid off twice. This is 2010, you know, great recession, and ended up with $2.26 to my name. And I couldn't afford rent uh, anywhere. Uh, and my friends wouldn't let me crash with them. So I, I had to move back home with my parents. You know the two people who'd invested so much in me. Um, I had to move back and and sleep in the same bed that I slept in as a seven-year-old kid. And they said that I could stay there for three months. You know, I'm 24 years old at this time. No job prospects. I'd sent out out over 200 resumes without getting a single call back. You know, it was an extremely low point in my life, and I could tell my parents were concerned. And not disappointed, just concerned and worried. And I felt a lot of shame. And, uh, that's really where my financial journey started because I started, you know, a looking out into the future and being like, okay, how am I going to get out of my parents' house? And B, you know, I can't go back to bouncing around these jobs that I care nothing about. Just letting my life kind of tick away with every paycheck. And I started thinking a lot about money and being the philosophy major that i am i was just you know i I just had the simple question of like you know what is money like why why are my parents still stressed about it why are we so obsessed with it why do we think it's so complicated you know what is it and i started to unpack money as a you know as a human invention and why do we embed it with so much power and meaning and what is this thing And, you know, I could have looked at it from an economics perspective, but I more looked at it from, you know, what I call life energy perspective, which is, you know, I realized in doing this, I made a list of, you know, about the 15 or 20 things that I'd always been told about money. And I went one by one and I was like, is this true? That's how I started my inquiry. And the first one was that money is time and time is money. And I realized pretty quickly that that's the biggest sham you know, ever. Uh, we're, we're told that time is money and money is time, but you can always go out and make more money, but you can never get back your time. And in fact, time is so much more valuable than money. And so whenever you're trading your life energy, whenever you're trading your time for money, you know, is, is it worth it? And I started to break down, uh, you know, re- not systematically, but just really thought hard about here's everything that, you know, I, I learned and, and most of it I figured out was either so old school that it no longer worked or it was just wrong or damaging. And I realized that my parents had been following this advice. Their friends, they were all still working. They were in their early 60s at the time or around 60 at the time. And I was like, you know, is there a different way to do this thing? And um, ended up really consuming all the information I could. Uh, but, you know, it was a simple Google search um, that I did around this time period where I saw a little Google mobile ad and I'd never seen an ad on my phone before. This is 2010. And I just literally Googled Google mobile ad and saw a, an article from this company, EMarketer that showed projected that jobs managing Google ads were projected to grow 300% by 2020. And so it's a growing industry and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I just happened to stumble on, oh, this is a growing industry. And then the second result was Google AdWords University, which is basically the platform, uh, the portal that you know you can watch a bunch of free videos and learn how Google advertising works. And so I watched a two-minute video and thought it was interesting enough, and then I saw that you could get certified by Google for free. And the certification really piqued my interest because I was like, oh, if I can get a certification, you know, maybe I can get a job. And over the next 30 days, I studied all I could, you know, all the free resources they had, a bunch of YouTube videos, and then ended up getting certified. The test was so much easier. I was so overprepared for it. (laughs) I put it on my LinkedIn profile, put it on my resume, and ended up literally didn't even know the jobs I was going to apply to. I typed, you know, run Google ads, (laughs) jobs, you know, I did a bunch (laughs) of these searches and found a digital marketing agency in Chicago, which is where my girlfriend lived. At the time, and ended up applying to it and getting the job, and started in a career that I had no experience in. And fast forward five years and three months later, and I had reached financial independence uh, with over $1.25 million in my investments uh, by the age of 30. And through this process, it was like a super intense five years. Um, that's what my book, Financial Freedom is about. everything I did during that period, everything I learned, the tradeoffs I made. I mean, I, I was living, breathing, sleeping, making money, figuring out money, reading about money. and I learned so much about uh, obviously how to make it, um what holds a lot of people back, uh, you know, what helped me back, the challenges that I saw, the the information that we're often told that's wrong. And then in 2015, I started writing about what I had done on MillennialMoney.com, which is my blog. We could talk a little bit more about that, but I ended up getting reader emails that you know other people were on the path and they were saving more money, and I was helping a lot of people. And those emails filled me with so much joy that that's when you know I was someone who never had a purpose in life, never had like here's my mission. You know, I would have laughed uh, you know, at myself, if I, if I said something like that, but you know, my, my purpose really showed up and I've now dedicated my life over the last three and a half, four years to helping other people, uh, make more money in less time so that they can ultimately live lives that they love. Cause you know, money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. And, um, yeah, I spent all my time, you know, flying around the world, talking to people about it. I don't manage money. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't have like $10,000 courses or in-person events. I'm like the everyman out there trying to level the playing field for people who unfortunately mostly get taken advantage of. And I really believe that financial literacy is is a human right. And so I'm trying to do everything that I can to, to get this information out there and help people on their journeys so that they can Yeah. You know, not not have to worry about money and sleep better at night and, you know, focus on those things that are more important.
1: That is a great story. I would say that one of the reasons why you were able to achieve what you have is. At some certain point, you had that shift in your mindset that you, you, you aimed for financial freedom. You looked at money. You analyzed what it was. You decided to have a unique or proper, I should say, pr- perspective on money, but also then time and time that, that time is money, money is time question that you were wrestling with. That's really where we connect. In terms of this show and, you know, the whole productivity thing. I mean, when it comes to productivity, like one of the other, you know, key phrase words or whatever you want to call it, SEO, <laughs> you know, connectors is time management and that it's about managing your time. And rightfully so, right? Because again, time, you can't, you can't make more time. You have a certain amount of time and then it's gone. And it's about doing the best or the most or all of the above with your time as long as you've decided what it is you're doing. As long as you decide, how to do the right things with your time. That's what we spend a lot of time on this show talking about. But I would love to hear, you know, what is the difference between money and time resource-wise and how are they connected as well?
0: Yeah, so a lot of people, they think that, you know, we're always told that money is time. And, you know, as I mentioned, uh, time is so much more valuable. But, you know, what most people do is they get up, they you know, spend 40 years, the best years of their life um, during the most productive time. I mean, all the studies show that we have more energy between, you know, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. when we're, you know, working or commuting to our job. And so we end up spending the best time of our life, you know, trading it for money. And we go and we clock in and we clock out or we're salaried. And you know the interesting thing, maybe not interesting, but you know a lot of people are making a lot less money than they realize because they think, "Oh, you know I'm making you know fifty thousand dollars a year, and then they break it out, and they're like, "Okay, I'm making about forty dollars, thirty, forty dollars an hour, but they don't factor in all that time that they spend uh you know because of their job that they wouldn't have to spend if they didn't have to work for money. you know you wake up at a certain time you get ready you commute i mean the average american commutes you know almost an hour a day each way you know that's you wouldn't do that if you didn't have to work for money and then you come home and you're tired and you know the average american watches over five hours of television a night because you're trying to decompress at the job that you went to and you probably if you didn't have to work you know for money you would spend your time vastly differently Um, it's one of those things that a lot of people can't even imagine what they would do, but when you factor in all of the time that your full-time job actually takes, and if you travel for work, you know, I did this simple exercise with one of my friends who's a, who was a management consultant and he was making $250,000 a year, you know, great salary, but he had to be on the road like 40 weeks out of the year. When we actually factored in all the time that he had to travel and be away from home, you know, had two little kids, it you know we figured out that he was making about thirty dollars per hour, and this like blew his mind. This completely blew his mind that he ended up you know leaving his job and going and working at a company that paid him significantly less money, but he didn't have to travel. And so his actually, I call it the effective hourly rate, which is how much you're actually making per hour after taxes, after you take out all the travel time and all the commuting time and, you know, uh, you know, ended up, you know, going up to over $40 an hour. So he's making less money, but his hour effective hourly rate. So what he's trading his time for is actually much higher. So that's one of the things a lot of people, and I have a calculator that I built, uh, at financial freedom Book. Dot com slash tools you know you don't even have to buy the book you can use it where you can put in how much time you spend commuting each week and how much time you spend doing everything else and you know how what tax bracket you're in and it shows you what your tax bracket is if, if you don't know and then it actually gives you what you're really making per hour and then the big question is: it's up to you to determine is is it worth it at the end of the day everything in life is about trade-offs And so if you're making $30 per hour and you're staying late and putting in all this extra time, and that's the challenge too, is, you know, we're always chasing that next thing, but with more money, you know, and more in your next job promotion, often with more money in a promotion come more responsibilities and you feel like you have to spend even more of your time. And so you make trade offs that you wouldn't have to make, obviously, if you didn't have to work for money, but there's so many ways to, you know, that, that's the traditional money time relationship. You think you have to trade your your time for money. Right. But there's so many ways to disrupt that linear relationship. So a simple example is, you know, making sure that you're investing as much money as you can. I mean, the average person in the U.S. only saves about 3% of their income. When you save 3% of your income, you're literally never going to be able to retire. And in the book, I talk a lot about how if you're saving only 3%, you're literally wasting your life. You're wasting your time but if you invest as much as you can i mean last year warren buffett made 1.5 million dollars an hour even when he was sleeping he didn't have to tra- that's just on his investments <laughs> he didn't he didn't have to trade any of his time for that money myself i made 42 dollars an hour uh nowhere near warren buffett but 42 dollars an hour on my investments even when i was sleeping and that's something where i've disrupted and warren buffett and whenever you're investing as much as you can because your money's making money you're no longer having to trade your time for money. And that's just one example. Another example is you know, launching your own side hustle uh, you know, where instead of actually doing the work – this is one of the things a lot of people side hustle, but they're driving for Lyft or for Uber. And when you're driving for Lyft, you, know, you can only drive so many hours in the day. It's not like you can drive for 30 hours in a day. There's only, we all have the same 24 hours. But and, and you can't even set your you know, all you can do is drive more. You can't even change your rates. You know, your rates are set by Uber or set by Lyft. And so you've lost control over your time and how much you're getting paid, which are the, the two most important variables. But if, for example, say you instead of walking dogs for a dog walking company, you start your own. And instead of I, I tell everyone they should try to become like the Uber of their life because Uber, you know, do, they don't drive cars. All they're doing, they literally don't drive cars. All they're doing is connecting people who need rides with people who will give rides. And so they're a connector between supply and demand. And anyone can be the Uber of their life. So instead of walking dogs yourself, you know, focus your, focus your efforts on getting clients, people who need dog walks, and then hire people who will do the dog walking. And all of a sudden, you're no longer trading your own time. You're brokering other people's time and i have a friend who did this i talk about it in the book you know and he went from walking dogs at like $16 a dog walk to now he makes $250,000 a year and he works like 10 hours a week and the only way he's been able he's been able to do this is he focuses on getting clients building relationships and then he hires his friends who are all students to walk the dogs and so that's when you've completely disrupted the time money relationship. And you don't have to do it full time. But that's just one example of many or two examples of many, where you can disrupt the traditional money time relationship uh, in your life. I mean, even just investing as early, often, and as much as you can, and, you know, getting other people to do the work. I mean, there's so many different ways focusing on increasing your effective hourly rate by getting, you know, work remote opportunities. And, you know, there's, 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 I wrote a whole 340 page book about it.
1: Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. You've said it a number of times now, this phrase of uh, not having to work for money. And I, and I believe that's your definition of financial freedom is if you didn't have to work for money, you could do anything that you want to do.
0: Yeah. So financial freedom is actually, there's seven levels of it uh, in, in the book. Um, financial freedom, actually, it's really whatever helps you sleep at night. And so that feeling of being free, um, how much money do you need to have that feeling? You know, I have one friend who Literally travels all over the world and he makes $7,000 a year off his blog, which isn't a lot of money, but it gives him enough to travel around the world and he feels free as a bird. And then I have another friend who's, you know, a junior partner at a law firm who thinks he needs $5 million to be free and he's always Mm. stressed about money. So the more you kind of know yourself, the easier it is to figure out how much money you're going to need to be free.
1: Well, and th- and right there, that's a yet another. Uh, it's a it's a thing. Of, it's it's perspective. It, you can be. It's it, it's dependent upon what it is you're wanting to do and how much is is actually required to cover. You know the expenses that would allow you to do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the more mindful you are of what really kind of makes you happy in life, and that's the thing. Like the world tells us you know, or ask us like, how much money do you need to, to live for the rest of your life? The more important question and the one you should ask first is what kind of life do you want to live? What kind of life do I want to live? And then how much money do I need to live that life? Because it's very simple that the more money you spend and the more expensive your life, the more money you're going to need to save and the more you're going to have to work for that money. And that's, it's a trade off. Like I don't, you can buy whatever you want. I don't tell you what to buy or what not to buy or how to spend your money. Just realize that whenever you're buying anything, you're trading your freedom for it. And this is the mind blowing thing, because for me, I realized that every hundred dollars that I was saving just a hundred dollars, I was buying a week of freedom in the future. And I built a calculator so you can do these calculations yourself um, you know on the website where you can just put in how much money you have saved and what you're thinking about spending you know thousand dollars a hundred dollars and it'll tell you how much freedom that you're trading in the future and it gets really crazy when you look at something like a forty thousand dollar new car because say you're making twenty dollars after you do that effective hourly rate calculation you'll have worked over two thousand hours to buy that car and you're thinking like whoa i spent an entire year to buy this new car or truck, but that's not it. Like not only did you spend a year of your life to buy that car or truck and it might be worth it to you. You might be like, this is totally worth it. I love my car. This is amazing. But if you had invested that $40,000 instead, not only would you not have had to trade a year of your life, but on the flip side, you know, and most people would have to, what will have to work like an additional five to seven years in the future In order to afford that car, because if they would have invested the money instead, it would have grown to a point where, you know, like in 30 years, $40,000 is worth over $350,000. So the car actually ends up costing you $350,000 in in sort of missed opportunity. If, If it's worth it to you, great. But when you start looking at money, and this is what I do in the book, when you start thinking about from a mindset perspective, money is units of time and units of freedom. I mean that's a that was a huge game changer for me and it is for a lot of people because you realize like whoa I'm making a massive trade off that you know oh I just thought this was $2000 but I had to work a month of my life and I'm going to have to work for an extra year in order to afford this in the future.
1: Yeah. And the thing here is is that it, what you were just describing with the car wasn't something that you would catch if you were looking at numbers on a page in terms of just budget and savings and all of that. It's it's the hidden cost of time, hidden you know inside of the you know the charges of the money that that you're, you're not paying attention to.
0: Absolutely, I mean, no one teaches this. Like no one, there's like not another book on this. You know, it's like that's the thing is like I was like, so I mean, there's there's one book that that I read uh, when I was 24. It's called Your Money or Your Life. And it it gets at this issue of like whenever you're working, you're trading time. But it doesn't go as far as helping you calculate how much time you're actually trading in the future, you know, how much freedom you're trading. Um, And at the end of the day, it's up to you to decide whether you're worth it. And the interesting thing, the thing I really love about your show you know, is this, you know, how do you optimize your time? How do you make the most of it? And investing your money and having a good relationship with money is the best way to save your time. So much more valuable than like habit stacking and scheduling every 15 minutes of your day and productivity productivity journaling like the secret sauce is making sure that whenever you're trading your time for money that you do the right thing with your money because that's going to buy that's so much more valuable than making sure that you spent your you know morning well um the net impact of it is so much greater and that's one of the things i'm actually we can get into this if you want i'm actually um you know the quantified self movement the productivity journaling all that stuff, I, I won't say I'm critical of it, but I often think it it makes you focus at a granular level on something that really isn't as impactful as you know other things.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, you can get into the weeds so much that you're spending time thinking about how you spend your time as you're spending your time on things you shouldn't be spending your time on. potentially potentially because some (laughs) for some people though spending their time maybe doing that journaling is how they're going to figure out what they can be the uber in or they can come up with the idea of you know being the seven-year-old kid on youtube who's doing toy unboxing reviews for the most amount of money possible on youtube right now right right
0: yeah exactly exactly and the important thing also is you don't have to always be productive. Uh, That's one of the biggest things that I learned in this entire journey is I always felt stressed out by, you know, the, you know, get up, have your lemon water, do 10 minutes of meditation, drink your green juice, take your cold shower, you know, all the habit stacking and all that 15 minutes. One of the things that I realized is that life tends to be richest when you let go of some of your habits, when you let go of some of your expectations, because sometimes you just need to just exist and let life show up. And that's when you end up being the most creative. And you know, it's it's a paradox where you end up getting the the richest value out of your time when you let go of it a little bit. Uh and that's one of the things that you know, I, I had to learn because I used to. You know, I was up at five a.m. fitting everything in, and I realized that I wasn't leaving much space for life to happen. You know, I was trying to over-optimize my life in a lot of cases, and I was so obsessed with making the most of my time that I ended up not making the most of my time.
1: What you're getting at right there, I I think a lot of people can identify with because one, they're listening to this show to get hints and tips and tricks. And I, you know, and I hope I deliver more than that. I, I always aim to, but they're coming at time with the, uh, the model that a lot of people apply to, um, supply and demand and, uh, money, which is this scarcity model, but they're applying it to time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the same reason that I I'm so critical of budgets in the book is, you know, I think a lot of people like our life, like a lot of people in life, a lot of personal finance experts, they tell you to cut back on the coffee or the latte or the glass of wine, when in reality, what moves the needle is you're going to save the most amount of money on those, just like you're going to save the most amount of time on those areas where you spend the most amount of money or where you spend the most amount of time. And so people start people like they try to go right to the side hustle or they try to go right to launching their own company. When in reality you should start by optimizing the area where you're making the most money, which is your full-time job and make sure that you're getting as much money as possible out of it. In addition to using it as the best launching pad for the future Um, And the same thing goes with like the average American spends 70 percent of their income on housing, transportation and then food. You get the most savings by cutting back on your housing and transportation, not by just cutting back on all those small purchases that tend to make us happiest. So we always as a culture default to this like scarcity mindset where it's all like cut back, cut back, cut back. But like, even now, we're so focused on like student debt and credit card debt and all this debt, And yes, if you have debt, it sucks. you need to come up with a plan for it. But if you have like30,000 dollars in student loan debt, so many people use that as an anchor or a crutch, or they use it as an excuse to not, you know, they just overfocus on it. when if you can go out and get a $30,000 raise, you could pay off that in a year or two, as opposed to having it stress you out for the next decade. And there's a limit to how much you can cut back in anything. There's a limit to how, how much you can optimize your time, but there's not a limit to how much money you can make. There's not, you know, it's like, we're always so focused as a culture on that scarcity, scarcity mindset. And the abundance stuff, it, it can get wishy-washy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, Hey, just it'll manifest if you believe it and that's whatever. Some people believe in that. I, I don't buy into that, but buying into the idea that like, Hey, there's a limit to how much I can optimize. There's not a limit to going out and, 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 and taking a calculated risk. Cause that's the thing too. It's like, you can almost always go back in life. You know, you can always go back to that job that's stressing you out. Um, but a lot of people, man, they're, 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 It's like when you don't have a lot of money or you're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, the idea of saving a million dollars or $5 million, so many people look at that and they either do one of two things. They're like, okay, I'm going to go after it, but I don't know how, or it just paralyzes them because this is what happened to me. I was like, I can't even imagine saving a million dollars. I mean, I was broke with my parents' house. I was like, I can't even imagine (laughs) saving a million dollars. That's so ridiculous. But so many people set that as their only goal when in reality if you're living paycheck to paycheck the first step is to get out of page- living paycheck to paycheck because it's kind of like a ladder like if you're like at the bottom of a ladder you can't see over the fence you don't know what's happening on the other side you're stressed out you don't have any perspective you know if you're stressed out about your job and you don't like it and you don't know what's going on you know it's very hard to get perspective but just saving like 6 months of expenses and getting out of living paycheck to paycheck you're just one level up on the ladder and you're able to get a different perspective and get out of that constriction point. And so focus on just getting to that next level. So many people, it's like they're shooting for the stars and they don't forget that they've got to like put on their seatbelt and learn how to crawl before they can rocket into space. And then the other thing is I see so many people, like they want to create these companies or they want to do all these things in their life, but they don't yet have the skills or the capacity in order to make it happen. Like, it's great to shoot for the stars, but it's like so many people come to me and they're like, I've got this app idea and this app idea or this idea, but they don't have basic, you know, they can't build a website. They don't even have basic coding skills. And you have to set your short-term goals to align with your current experience level. Like, it has to build. You know, you can't just go out and do just like incredible things immediately. And that's one of the things a lot of people try to put The cart before the horse and you should align your short term goals with based on your capacity and then keep increasing your skills and your capacity as opposed to just like so many people like shoot for the stars. You know, it's like trying to make a, you know, you're like LeBron James. LeBron James can make like a full court basketball shot and you have people like throwing these Hail Marys trying to make full court basketball shots when they haven't even learned to do the layup yet. You know, everything in life has to build. And so many people just try to jump too fast, too far, too soon, you know, without putting in the work.
1: Yeah, it, it becomes daunting. I had somebody uh, recently who who asked me, uh, they emailed the show and they said, I hear a lot of people talk about productivity, but I have a question, you know, if, if, and this fits with our conversation, they literally said the words, how can I be productive if I am poor? This is something that nobody out there is talking about. He's. They, they were basically saying, you know, do I need, you know, how, how can I afford any of the this or that or whatever to make me productive? And my initial thought was you don't need any of that stuff. Like you can, you can become quote more productive without having to spend any money. You can literally pay attention to the right things. You can, um, you know, spend your time more wisely on more important things like we've been talking about here. But I think part of what they're hung up on is that word poor and feeling as if they're stuck in a situation. And, and what you were just saying was I, I, that whole, you know, the runs on the ladder thing. I think they need to, uh, and you can correct me and, and give more insight here, but I think they need to analyze their actual situation a little bit more and decide uh, you feel stuck. Why is that? Where are you wanting to go? And is it some daunting task or can we maybe you know, scale back and do like what you were talking about, which is get out of the paycheck to paycheck to then what's the next level and so forth.
0: Exactly. I mean, most people, you know, I've had the opportunity to chat with, you know, tens of thousands of people who feel stuck. And a lot of times, you know, because I'm coming in as just a, you know, an outside observer, you know, you you, you start to see similarities in in, in people and a lot of people are like two or three steps away from a life that they'd really love. Just two or three. And usually two two of those steps are money related. And so to your point, you know, when you're poor, when you don't have anything, when you don't have a lot of opportunities, getting to that first rung of the ladder, which is escaping living paycheck to paycheck, um, that is so much harder for you than it is for someone who's come out of college and had every advantage. But that you need to put everything that you have into that goal. You know, that that it's like that is where you need to get, because once you get there, you're going to feel so much more in control, so much freedom. But but escaping it is 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 harder for some people than others. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just might take you longer. You know, I've gotten emails from people who, you know, ha- had literally nothing. I mean, people who grew up you know, super poor on welfare with nothing. And the way they were able to get out is they had to escape living paycheck to paycheck. And some of them, it started with saving, you know, $10 a week and it took them three or four years to have enough money to escape. Uh, but they got there, you know, it might take you two or three or four years to get to that point. But the thing is, that's the hardest thing that you're ever going to do in your life. Once you get past the first level, The next level is always going to be easier. Like the first $10,000 you save in your life is without a doubt the hardest level, like the, the, the hardest level, like the next 10,000 is so much easier. And that goes with any amount of money. Um, but so many people, they're often like, they see that, Oh, I'm never going to have all of that. And so they don't even try or they psych themselves out. And I mean, the reality is the cards are stacked against so many but you know that doesn't mean it's not possible i mean there's just countless stories of people who've gotten out of those situations and yes it might be harder for you um and 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 it probably is harder for you but there's there's examples and more and more all the time of people who are doing it you you just have to make that your singular goal we often get trapped in like the daily you know the daily stress and and you know we get all wound up and you know, when you look at all the data, it's very expensive to be poor. I mean, it's very expensive when you have no money in your bank account and you're getting charged $35, you know, overdraft fees. And, you know, when you don't have any money and your car breaks down and you have to go, um, you know, take out, you know, a high interest rate payday loan in order to pay for your car repairs. And all of a sudden you've got a 20% loan that you get stuck in. It's very expensive to be poor. Um, There's a great book, Hand to Mouth, uh, written by a woman who, you know, incredible, incredible book. There's a new book called Made um, that's an incredible book, both written by people who uh, were poor and had nothing. And it talks about kind of their life and how it's so expensive to be poor. But it's possible. It's certainly possible. Well, And
1: and this is where optimizing your full-time job, like you were talking about, comes in. Because, you know, if you have an existing uh, flow of income other than if you can say suddenly ask for a raise and get more like then you've just got to you've got to tighten it up on the other end and uh, optimize.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a- a- abs- absolutely. Um, you know, skills really are future currency and that's why I do meet a lot of people from diner a diner waitress to a lift driver to, you know, so many people who are living in paycheck to paycheck situations and jobs, very hard to get ahead in those types of jobs, unless you're saving as much as you can, even if it's $10 a week or $10 a month, you know, but the math isn't on your side. But you know, there are so many I tell every Uber and Lyft driver that I ever have about, you know, my own story of learning Google AdWords and, you know, the, the skills that I built, like you can learn them all for free on YouTube. You don't need a college degree. All you need to do is get Google certified and you can get like a job making $60,000 as your starting salary in almost any city in the US. And then within two years, because there's so much demand, you can be making six figures. You know, it's like one of the fastest paths to six figures without a college degree. But we live in a world where people think they need a, they need a, you know, master's degree, or they need to go to school to learn all these things. But there's more and more free and great resources, where you can learn all, a lot of things that are monetizable. And, you know, skills in that sense, you know, but the hard thing is, a lot of people who are stuck in those situations, they don't know that there are other ways, and there are other paths, and there are other, you know, things that are possible. Because just as a culture, once again, we're we're back in that Scarcity mindset. And it's, it's, we live in a very predatory culture where, you know, the education system sells you on the idea that you need a certain, uh, certain, you know, degree or expensive degree in order to get a job. But thankfully, that's becoming less and less important. So for somebody
1: who is just getting started, like they're hearing what you're saying, it's it's resonating with them. They realize, you know what? Maybe I have settled. Maybe I have believed that I have to trade literally my time for money. And I want to stop doing that, but I don't know how to progress forward. What are those initial steps? You know, I know we've, we've kind of touched on it a little bit here, but what are those initial steps in terms of, um, you know, getting rid of what's blocking you? Do you need to sit down and do like a brain dump and just write down, you know, all right, here's my job. Here's what I make and, and so on and so
0: forth. Yeah. So the first step of financial freedom is clarity. I mean, in order to get anywhere you want to get in life, you have to start with where you are. And get really clear on where you are. And that means with your numbers, you know, I walk through a step-by-step process in the book and I built a calculator for it, you know, just how to calculate your net worth. That's the first thing you need to do. And your net worth is just your assets minus your liabilities, your assets, anything that you could sell worth anything and minus your liabilities, which is your debt, how much you owe people, whether it's credit card or student loans or personal debt or mortgage or car payment. And then you minus that from what you have of value and you get your net worth. Most people who do this, when I first did this, you know, it was negative $22,000. You know, if you're just starting out, your net worth might be negative. Most people's are negative. That's okay. So many people start from that point point. But you just have to be honest with yourself about where you're at with your money. and it's very, very easy to calculate this. I walk through it in the book. The other thing that you need to get clarity on is your life. And so many people, if you truly stop right now and you look around at your life and you know maybe you have a partner or a wife or a husband you know that you really love, maybe you have kids, that you really love. Maybe you've got great friends and you live in a great community um, and your job, you know, you like the people you work with. Maybe you're not making as much money as you want. Maybe your boss stresses you out. But by and large, you really you, you love your life. And that's one of those things. There's a lot of people out there because this is the thing. Life is always more important than money. There are a lot of people out there that, they, that w- were naturally wired to chase that next thing, whether it's the job promotion or the million dollars or, you know, the grass is always greener somewhere else. But so many people, even when they're not making a lot of money, have already won the game, you know. And so really asking, looking at your life and being like, why do I even want more money? Yeah. Is it so I can spend more time with my kids? Like what, what, what's even driving me here? Because you might have already won the game. And then realizing that, like, maybe money is not that important to me. And maybe I should actually take a part time job so I could pick my kid up at the bus stop. Or do when I did this, Eric, like I went systematically step by step through a list of those things that made me happiest. And often the things like walking my dog in the park, you know, listening to my record collection, playing music with my friends, playing basketball with my friends, the things that I actually enjoy in life, most of them are either pretty inexpensive or free. And so I need a lot less money to live a life that I love because I know what I love. I've taken the time to walk through that and figure it out. And so I encourage people to do that. But if on the flip side, you look at your life and you're like, gosh, you know, I, I I gotta get out of where I'm living. I gotta move to a different place. I've got to do, you know, I'm pretty stressed out. Maybe my relationships aren't what I want getting that clarity and being honest with yourself and then realizing that money is a path to freedom. And so you can get out of that stuck situation that you're in by get first getting clarity. Okay, here's where I'm at. Even if it's not a great picture, even if it's negative net worth and then the next step is what is my escape plan? And your escape plan is getting enough money so you can get out of that stuck situation, whether it's quitting the job with the toxic boss or moving to a different city or moving out of your parents' house like, I, you know, I was stuck in, you know, all these things. It's like money is that path to freedom, but you got to get clear where you're at and then make a plan just to get six months of expenses to buy yourself The second level of financial freedom I call breathing room. You just got to get some breathing room in your life and money can give you that. And then once you get the breathing room, you can look around at your life again and be like, okay, you know, I'm going to get out of this toxic boss situation. I'm going to build some new skills. You know, I'm going to move to a different city. I'm going to get rid of this toxic relationship, whatever it is that you feel is holding you back. You got to get some breathing room because when you're just always stuck and most people are always just stuck and then when you're stuck, it feeds itself. And so those are the first two things that I recommend that everyone do um, and maybe realize that you've already won the game and that you need less money than you think and you're a lot closer to a life that you love or maybe you already have that life and you just haven't seen it in that right light.
1: Yeah, man. And those are great steps. There's so much more in the book Financial Freedom a proven path to all the money you will ever need and again it, it's not just about making more money for the sake of making more money it's a ma- it's about being free financially and knowing exactly how much you need to be that way and i, I, I you know I, <laughs> you know i i think that this is you know core It's core. Like, you got to know this stuff. So uh, I'd love for people to go check out the book and grab the book, for that matter. Um, Where's the best place for you to have people check it out?
0: Uh, Go to your independent bookstore. Most bookstores should have it. If they don't, they can order it for you. Um, If not, you know, Financial Freedom on Amazon. It's the bright blue book. Or if you're international, you know, look at financialfreedombook.com um, that's the book website. You can figure out where to buy it internationally. It's coming out in a bunch of different languages. Uh, and yeah, or check out your local library because a lot of libraries right now, a lot of libraries are backlogged and so they're a wait list. But you know, if your library doesn't have it, um, just ask them to order it for you. Most li- libraries, you know, want to make you happy and will be excited to order the book for you and then you can read it for free.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. There's another way to optimize your full-time job is to read the book for free
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah read the book for free share it with your friends i mean it's it's the thing is man like i i this is one of the funny things it's like even selling books it's like the penguin random house you make like a dollar or two per book you know what i mean you don't write books to make money you know it's like it's one of those things where it i just wanted to get it as many hands as possible to level the playing field because it's never been easier in history to make money hands down like our grandparents would literally look at the age we're living in you know a hundred years ago people would look at the time we're living in and just see nothing but opportunity and that's one of those things you have to realize it's never been easier in history to reach financial independence to live a life you love um, the The problem is the rule book that we're given. You know, in school or often from our parents, even though people tend to mean well, it's just outdated. It just, it just doesn't work. And so I tried to write a new rule book and it's working. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I was able to do it. There's a bunch of people in the book who are able to do it. And the thing is I'm a really hardcore example. That's an important thing to note. Like you don't like, I am the exception to the rule. Like I don't even recommend doing what I did. But the thing is, even doing like two of the eight hundred steps in the book, it's gonna it can change your life. Yeah, you know, well, it's, like and, thought. it's all and, about
1: and, yeah. And you being you being an extreme case just proves that it can be done. And 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 even to the scale that you did it again isn't necessarily what everybody has to do to live the life they want. So, man, great book. Everybody's got to go get it. Uh, Grant, thanks for being here again. What's the, what's the website for people to go check out the calculator and stuff too?
0: I'll uh, finance up. Yeah. Financial freedom book.com slash tools. So there's like eight calculators that follow the book and they're all free. They work on your phone and yeah, that, that's where you can learn about the book and connect with others. There's like, you know, a private Facebook group that if you read the book you get into, there's already, you know, a bunch of people in there chatting and sharing their strategies and, you know, I, w- I wanted to, I want to support you in any way that I can.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Grant, thank you so much for being here. I really hope people take this message to heart and to their head and learn and get clarity. So thanks hey. for being here.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it and hope you have a good day.
1: Well, that's another episode crossed off your podcast episode listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you got something out of this conversation and the wisdom from Grant. I am curious about what your perspective on money is. Did this conversation do anything to spark any ideas, new ideas or reconsiderations in terms of the way that you look at money, the way that you look at money as a resource, the way that you look at money and its relationship to time? time being one of the main resources that we talk about on this show. I know for me it did. I'm not going to go into that right now. I think I'll save that for a future episode, but I will say this. It was thought-provoking, especially listening back through it, not in the moment. So, you know, I didn't get to do that while I was having the conversation originally, but I did afterwards. So, But again, I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and if you did, you probably know of somebody else who would as well, and I'd love for you to share this conversation with them. And to do that, it's easy. All you need to do is go over to com slash 272. That's where you'll find the share buttons to send this out, share it by a tweet, Facebook, email, whatever. Or if literally you want to share it while you're listening to it on your phone or in your podcast player of choice, that is cool as well. Just think of that one person or multiple people for that matter that you know would love to hear this or need to hear this and hit that share button. I would be really grateful. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next episode.